Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. That journey is so fun. You know, those those daily grinds with your teammates, you know, the road trips. I mean, all that stuff is 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 so fun and it's i mean it's crazy when it leads up to that you know that one moment that you have to have to really perform and uh perform better than you've ever performed we can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change wrestling gave us that ability i would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection resilience toughness some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps but it's it's five percent of the ingredient it pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me taught me humility nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling i think it's the learning to adapt right you learn you learn how to adapt you learn how to solve problems you know if i look back my time i spent wrestling if it gave me one thing more than anything else it's mental toughness Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest is Steve Marinetti, the pride and joy of the Fighting Illini from the 90s. Three-time All-American, NCAA champ in 1995, which is where he beat the great Lincoln McElravey at Carver Hawkeye Arena. It's one of the all-time NCAA matches. Mark Johnson was Marinetti's coach, who was one of Gable's right-hand men, so he was going into Carver, as a former Hawkeye, and then his guy, Steve Marinetti, beat McElravey. And Steve's our guest today. So let's get right to it. Fan of the week, Mike Porsche. That's at Porsche Mike on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in, Mike. Folks, this episode is brought to you by the Beat the Streets Virtual Gala. I'm blue in the face from talking about it, but if you've done anything for me, please register and attend this virtual gala. It's on Saturday, June 6th from 8 to 9 p.m., to do so, go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com, click on the Beat the Streets tile, right on the homepage, you can't miss it, and register for the gala. Taking place Saturday, June 6th, from 8 to 9 p.m. And that's it. Let's give it up for Steve Marinetti. Peace! All right, we're here with Steve Marinetti. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Absolutely. You're a legend in Illinois, um, I think nationally, for uh, for some of the wins you had in college. But one of my favorite parts of this is that you only got involved with wrestling in high school. And I know you have a, a unique story in terms of how you got into sports. So let's just start there. How did you get introduced to the to the world's greatest sport? <laughs> well, I, I um, sadly played basketball up through eighth grade and um, freshman year in, in high school, I was about five three. I weighed ninety seven pounds, um, and I was walking down the hallway. And um, a couple of the um, coaches, uh, Coach Samori and Coach um, Sherman, um, you know, were asking me what I was going to do. And you know, those coaches are always looking to hustle and push push boys into oh, yeah. sports. I said, "Well, you know, I'm probably probably going to try out for the basketball team. I've been playing, you know, all my life. And uh, you know, these guys look down at me, way down at me, and." said son i think you should probably try wrestling and uh i i took that to heart um and you know figured out i, I basketball wasn't going to be my route and uh you know joined the freshman team and um you know we were learning stance motion penetration step and on the third day of practice um the varsity coaches came to the the freshman room and they there was a 98 pound senior they had and they he needed workout partners so he needed uh fresh meat so they they brought a couple of us down to the varsity room and you know i was just trying to just trying to stay alive down there um <laughs> you know it was this dungeon of a of a room and you know i knew nothing about the sport and all i you know i was i was high energy and i could fight but that was about it and i wrestled this kid for a for a couple days and um after one of the workouts he he said um so you know how long you've been wrestling i said well five days and I kid you not, he didn't come back the next day. He quit the team. 
What? Um, Could you handle him, makes or no were you sense. beating him? I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I was, I was battling. I was fighting back, but I mean, I was still getting my, my butt kicked. But um, he literally quit the team, and I became the the varsity ninety eight pounder as a freshman, having uh, less than a week of of wrestling under my belt. So wow. I, I got thrust into uh, surviving very quickly and, um, you know, kind of fell in love with, with the sport from there. What did your parents say when you said that you were getting involved with wrestling? I, you know, my my parents, you know, were, were very um, like were they low-key on things. They, no, no. Um, neither of my parents played sports. Um Wow. I was in into, you know, baseball and, and basketball, um, and golf all my life. Um and um they just didn't really care. You know, they were fine with it, but um there was I was I definitely had one of the benefits that there was zero pressure on me to mm-hmm. be great. I mean, they did not care as long as I was involved with something. And like I mean, who would know that that fateful conversation in the hallway would lead to a, a life changing you know, journey, um, even if you didn't go on to coach, it would be a life-changing journey just because of some of the people you met along your way. But now you're a Division three coach at Elmhurst, you know, consistently in the top 10 there. So it's just crazy to look back on, uh, <laughs> look back on that moment. Now, were there any times along the way where you thought that maybe this wasn't for me or did you just love it the whole time? You know what? I, I loved it the whole time. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of, of down moments. Um, but I, the sports fit my personality. It fit my energy level. Um, you know, Bruce Lee was always like a hero growing up back at that time. And wrestling was kind of like, that was my martial art. That was my thing. And, you know, when you, when you weigh 97 pounds, um, like that, that's your, that's your avenue to, to succeed at a high level. And, um, you know, so I, 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 you know, I took that and, and ran with it and I wouldn't be able to have, you know, certainly not done that in basketball, but, you know, probably didn't have the size even to be a real solid baseball player. It's funny you say that my dad always said as a kid, he was really honest with us because we love sports and he goes, I'm going to shoot you straight guys. Your best shot at being good at sports is wrestling because it's you know, mano y mano, your weight versus their weight. And, and he'd only wrestled like one or two years in high school, but I'll never forget that. And some people say that, that like he shouldn't have said that, but I always appreciated the honesty because it allowed you to kind of sink your teeth in and focus a little bit earlier because, you know, now kids start so early. Um, back when you were doing it as a high schooler, like who were some of the studs you looked up to or who were some of the influences that, that got you motivated within the Illinois wrestling scene at that time? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was right around that time, um, you know, Sean Bormet was just a little bit older than me. Um, um, Joey Gilbert was the first four-time state champ, um, you know, in Illinois, and he was a legend. Um, you know, Ben Morris would come to our, um, I was in a wrestling club, the Wildcat Wrestling Club, uh, run by Maury Gesselter, who was a longtime coach in the state and really um, also helped develop me in the in the off season. And so, you know, there were, there were guys like that, um, you know, that were, were pretty much legends, and I was still learning the sport at that point. Were you there when Bormet got pinned by William Gay in the semis in the year where he was supposed to wrestle Gilbert at the finals? Yes, yep. Yep. So, um, you know, Sean and I are, are good friends and we were, ended up being rivals, um, not in college, but in, uh, in freestyle. Um, but you know, I, he was, uh, you know, a, a stud in our state for forever. Yeah. I've had him on. I really look up to, uh, coach Borme a lot, especially what he did at overtime and what he did for Illinois on the, on the freestyle and you know, what they did at Fargo is incredible, but I can just imagine, uh, Assembly Hall must have gone nuts when that happened because he was up by like 14 points or something and then got thrown in a headlock and it it ruined one of the best matchups of all time <laughs> between uh, Gilbert and Borme. Yeah, we were all waiting for it. <laughs> would would have been insane. Absolutely. Now, when you were kind of competing through the high school ranks, my understanding is that the best you ever got was second. Is that right? Yeah, that is that's right. Um, you know, junior year I made the tournament. Um, I will never forget actually qualifying for state and opening those doors, looking into assembly hall, and you know, 
thinking like I was I was in the big time and um that was a pretty short tournament for me but senior year um had a good tournament made it to the to the finals um got to got to do the grand march um wrestled um Charles Gary and lost 3 to 2 in the the finals and then Charles became a teammate with me at Illinois so I had a daily reminder of uh <laughs> losing in the state finals every single day of practice and uh definitely was was something that that helped push me though were you a top guy coming in your senior year or was it unexpected that you made the finals I mean I think I was up there um okay. you know you know we we didn't quite have the uh, ranking system we do now but like I w- I was in the mix but um so were a lot of other people sure okay so it wasn't unexpected that you were there but you were in there battle and had a great tournament got second now did you have any idea you know that Saturday night in February at Assembly Hall that you were going to wrestle in college or did you know you were going to you know I knew I wanted to keep wrestling and um you know, my parents really weren't too keen on me wrestling. They wanted me to just focus on academics. And, um, but I, I figured like I, I needed to keep doing that. Um, you know, so I, I kind of tried to start the recruiting process and I, I wasn't very heavily recruited anywhere. Um, I actually made my own recruiting visit cause I had no idea how the process worked at the time. <laughs> and I just, I, we, I had a friend at, um, Indiana University, and I thought that was a pretty cool school. And I just showed up at the coaches' offices, um, and um, McFarland was there, and um, Jim Humphrey, um, oh, wow. and like, yeah, and just walked in there and just introduced myself and said, like, hey, I'm I'm on campus. I, you know, I, I wanted to just talk to you guys. They were incredibly gracious for a guy that just showed up out of nowhere, um, you know, and they. You know, they they spent some time with me. They were very kind. They actually had um, Brian Dolph, who is a mm-hmm. um, you know yeah. national champ. There had him take me out for the night and show me the campus and everything. And um, so, like that was that was you know one of my visits. And um, you know, I also visited Illinois. And um, you know, my I guess my main <laughs> driver for for going to Illinois was their accounting school was was ranked number one at the time. And you know, that was like the big, the big drive is, you know, Hey, great accounting school. I wasn't going to get a scholarship at Indiana. Um, so in-state tuition was, was a lot cheaper. And, um, and you know, that was the route I took. Steve Marinetti, the accountant, CPA. <laughs> I, was... I, I, I figured out after a couple of years that I hated accounting, eventually went to, uh, went to marketing, but, but that was the drive to one of the drives to, to go there. And this is well before, the Mark Johnson era and folks in Illinois now, I don't think they realize how lucky we were to get Mark Johnson. You know, he was a, a top lieutenant of Gables for, you know, 10, 12 years during the Iowa run of the 80s. And, you know, in college, he had battled Chris Campbell, got second twice, but, you know, he was at the elite, elite level of coaching, went out to Oregon State and completely turned that program around, brought Les Gutches in. And then he left for Illinois which he says was one of the hardest decisions he's made just because you know he brought all those guys into Oregon State. And so you're there your freshman year, and then Mark Johnson comes in your sophomore year. And I may be getting that mixed around because of the red shirts, but just talk to us about life before and after Mark Johnson at Illinois. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're the wrestling program was was in a pretty rough spot. I mean, it was it was pretty down um and I mean, talk about being in the right place at the right time. So I, yeah, I redshirted and then I competed my freshman year. Um, you know, and then, you know, Mark and Jim came in that spring. Um, technically I did interview Mark for the job. So I, I was <laughs> part of the, I was part of the hiring process. So, um, you know, we, we need to get that on record. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, you know, I, from a, let's just say from a performance standpoint, I, as a freshman, I was 13 and nine and barely made the national tournaments and, you know, hardly belong there, you know, with working with, with Mark and Jim for, you know, that, that spring, summer, fall into the, you know, into that next season, uh, my sophomore year, I ended up being 44 and nine, um, and finished fourth in the country. And I had no clue that I could be, I thought I, you know, I'd try to be an All-American by my senior year. So for those guys to turn things around, um, for me was, was absolutely incredible. And, um, 
you know, that was, that was really, you know, one of the times I felt the power of coaching, you know, it, it wasn't me, it was what they were pulling out of me. And, um, you know, it would not have happened without those guys pushing things. Now, Mark coming in there, I mean, it was torture, you know, they, they came in and, you know, they knew like, Hey, we, we're gonna, we're gonna weed guys out. We're going to see who has the will to stay and, and who doesn't. So that initial, stint with with mark and jim was was hell i mean it was a rough go um just vicious workouts or what yeah vicious workouts um you know just the you know the preseason and you know um you know i i heard adam terrapelli talking about mark's you know seven minute goes which usually lasted you know 15 to 20 minutes and so you can imagine when he had like the 20 or 30 minute goes how long we were going but um you know just just tough, tough um, practices and training and lifting. And, um, you know, a, a lot of guys, you know, quit the team, but the guys that stayed, um, you know, it was, it was the start of, of building something pretty cool. And so do you think it was the fact that they changed your expectations of what you believed was possible? Because anyone could put someone through a tough workout, but I think there's something else going on there. You know, what was it that gave you that expectation that you could be an all <sighs> Yeah, no doubt. There's there's always a bunch of stuff. I mean, one of one of the, you know, I think most important conversations I had was with um, with Hef, you know, and, and just kind of like talking to him. I mean, those guys, you know, have wrestled under Gable, Mark coached under Gable. I mean, you know, those, those were legendary teams with legendary guys, and it was like, you know, what does it take to be an All American? You know, what do All Americans do? And you know, I, I mean, for one, I realized I wasn't doing anything close to what all Americans did as far as work ethic, as far as putting some morning practices in, and as far as like, you know, really planning on, you know, what I can improve on. So, so Hef really did a, a great job of putting, um, you know, a template together of like, you know, what this is going to take and, um, you know, what the expectations are and what the mindset is. So really changed, um, you know, my belief system on what was possible and, um, and showed me not just, Hey, you got to work hard, but what that working smart was that was going to, going to lead to actually making huge progress and scoring points and getting better. And it's like, the fact that you can just be around someone and totally buy in and that changes what you thought was possible, that's an amazing thing. And kind of to your point is the power of coaching. So at some point along this journey, did you know you wanted to be a coach or was it well after you graduated? No, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely sure. Um, you know, when you have a, a good college career, I mean, that certainly plays a part in it. Um, you know, when I graduated, I, I, you know, I decided like, do I really want to be done wrestling? You know, even, even finishing on a high, do I, do I want to be done? And, you know, I, I decided I wanted to go to grad school. I wanted to be an assistant coach. Um, and I wanted to keep competing, you know, so that's what I knew for that short term, you know, and after, after I got through, you know, getting my, my master's in advertising and after, um, you know, I was done competing, then I, then I was going to figure that out. So I, I didn't really know, but I mean, I loved being an assistant coach there. I mean, you just soaked up all that knowledge and <laughs> that energy from both your time as a competitor as well as a coach. Now, before we go on to some of your your battles in college. One other thing I'd like to know is, do you remember the first team meeting you had with Coach Johnson and Coach Heffernan as as coaches and kind of introducing themselves to your new team? Yeah, I mean, I, I do remember it. I mean, they, they set the standards. Um, you know, we, I think, you know, as, a, as, as athletes, we got away with a lot of things before that and you realize you weren't getting away with anything anymore. Um, but you know, it was fun being accountable. It was, it was fun being proud of something, you know, and, and, you know, Mark brought a lot of pride into what we were trying to do there. And, you know, that's, that's what teams want to do. They, they want to be proud of what they are doing. They want to be warriors. They want to be getting better. And, um, you know, he set that standard and, um, you know, and then we, we saw, progress we saw things that we could be proud of we started getting some dual meet wins you know we um you know we we started putting the team on the map and um you know that that 
that snowballs. No question. I mean, the, the dual meet record alone speaks for itself. 2-11 uh, in 92 and then 9-4. and four. And then uh, you know, your last year, 95, you guys were top 10 in the country, which we're definitely going to get to that. Everyone's chomping at the bit to hear about the, the McElravey battle. So we'll, we'll get there. But I just want to want to set a foundation here. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is when you were at Illinois, you had some really awesome teammates in terms of people who, who I recognize their names. So I'm sure a lot of people do. You know, Eric Sieber, Ernest Benyon. I mean, who were, who were some of the guys you were battling with every day in the room kind of during your during your prime years there at Illinois? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit two of, two of my main workout partners. Um, you know, my, my introduction to Eric, um, you know, he had torn his ACL as a freshman there, so he was off the mat for the year. And, um, you know, I came back, I was an All-American, um, you know, and we were working out in the in the summer that next year. And I remember our first go, like, Eric is so fast and he just blew through me with a double leg. And I'm like, who the hell is this kid? I'm, you know, I'm a couple time all American and this, this kid just like took me down. And, um, you know, I mean, we had a thousand battles after that, but that, that, that is always stuck out. I like, I would never forget that first takedown because I was nowhere close to stopping that thing. And, um, you know, Eric and I worked out every day and, and, um, you know, I had a, you know, a long time working out with, with Ernest. You know, he was two years younger but um, than me. But, I mean, we, we went, I mean, just battles every day. I mean, that was just normal yeah. um, going with those guys every single day. So it was, it was really a fun room. I mean, we just, just, just battles in there, just sweat and, you know, going off the walls and, and um, you know, the music going and um, just, just, some uh, some great talent in there. No question. And how ironic is it that, you know, you said you went to college with the gentleman who beat you in the finals, Eric Sieber and Ernest Binion have one of the most legendary IHSA finals of all time, came down to the wire, and they were in there wrestling each other. Um, and it must have been exciting to be an Illinois yeah, fan to, back in those days. Got to see it every day, you know. And, and I mean, the, the other cool thing was, you know, I, I got to coach, you know, with – with Mark and Jim for seven years. So, you know, besides my time there and the guys I had, I had, you know, then I was coaching those guys, um, you know, for the next couple of years after that as a, as a, you know, second assistant coach there. So, um, you know, there's just, I got to watch battles with, you know, the, the, those teams for, um, you know, 13 years there. Yeah. God, that's awesome. Now, let's get to the, to the good stuff here. So your junior year, you get fourth, um, or fifth? Fifth. fifth. Yeah, okay. I was fourth, fifth. And then so first. you beat Weber in 94, but you're still down at 142 at this time. You know, Alan Freed had yeah. won that year, who we've had him on. He's a, He was quite the talent, to say the least. Um, why did you go up to 150 going into your senior year? I was just cutting way too much weight. Um, I mean, I was probably cutting too much weight for 150. How um, bad was it was, cut it, to it was 42? It was, it was, I, it was, I mean, it was absolutely brutal i mean you know i i don't even remember what i was i was walking around at but you know we were cutting a lot more weight in those days you know but it, it gets when it gets to the point where you know you just want the national tournament to be over because you, you know you've just lost you know seven eight pounds every night after you know after each round um you know it was just too much so i you know i it worked out with the team with the way or other guys were bumping up and um you know talked to Mark and Jim about it. So, you know, I, I had no desire to be in the, the same weight class as, as Lincoln, but I just couldn't keep my weight down there. Would it surprise you to say you were at 170 in the summers, or were you much bigger than that going down to 142? Uh, yeah, I was right there a little a little bit above. So, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good cut. You know, it's a, a lot of people say that who wrestled in the 90s that the weight cutting then was a lot more extreme, which – it's good to hear it's gone down because I think it's it's one of the the worst things about wrestling. As much as it's yeah. fun to tell the war stories, but I didn't realize sure. how much it, more extreme it was in the '90s than it is now. I mean, it's it's so much better for our sport now. I mean, the 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 more we can get away from weight cutting and have guys work on getting better at their craft is gonna gonna grow the sport. But yeah, we weighed in the you know we weighed in the night before, um, and you'd weigh in at at home, um, and I mean. Oh, with really? with Johnson, you you, yeah, 
No, no. And with Johnson, you made weight. I mean, there was no like, uh, you know, it's close enough. It's you made weight. I mean, so you'd be crawling to the scale sometimes, um, you know, but, um, you know, it was different back then. I mean, there, you know, you'd like get an issue of, of plastics to wear and, you know, you, and, you know, the nutrition wasn't as, as great. And we're, we're just yo-yoing way too much and just, just cutting just a crazy amount of weight. And then, you know, we'd go to Olive Garden right after weigh-ins and, and have breadsticks <laughs> and pasta and, you know, all the, the fluids we could, would handle. And, you know, you're feeling great by the next day, but then you got to do it over again. And for the NCAAs, would you weigh in at night or in the morning back in those days? Uh, we weighed in at night. Yeah. So, you know, I was around, you know, when I'd wrestle, we'd weigh in and then we'd wrestle that day. And then that night, you know, I'd, after a couple matches, I don't know, I'd be, you know, around seven pounds overweight. And it's like, you get done wrestling for the day, lose the seven pounds, weigh in that night, you know, wrestle in the morning, do the same thing again, <laughs> you know, so that's three weigh-ins like that. So it's, oh it was, it was pretty, it was pretty brutal. I mean, you could, could remember so many stories of, you know, I mean, I can, I can still have flashbacks of, of, you know, the saunas at, you know, at Wisconsin for big tens or, or Minnesota or Iowa, like you can, I could still picture inside those, those saunas and, uh, you know, the, the hose with the water coming out and like, okay, you can rinse your mouth out. You can't drink out of here. Um, you know, and all the guys that were in there and guys, you know, biking in there, it was, um, it was, it was pretty insane. Pretty crazy stuff. And, you know, it's like, it is a badge of honor, no doubt, but if we're really trying to grow the sport and have the best matches, people are wrestling way better if they're hydrated and ready to go versus doing that kind of stuff. So it is good to see that it's, it's come down a little bit since then, at least maybe a lot. I think it's come down a lot. I mean, with a one hour weigh in, you just can't afford to, to, to be stupid about your, your weight cuts and nutrition knowledge is much better. So it's definitely helping. I could still even get better, but it's, it's helped a ton. Absolutely. Now going into 95, you know, at, at the end of your junior year, you beat Daryl Weber for fifth and he was kind of the, you know, unlucky recipient of a, of yet another Gable weight class shuffle. And what I mean is that when McElroy was a freshman in 93, you know, they moved Troy Steiner down. He was the defending national champ. Move him down a weight. He gets beat by Colat in the semis, but Lincoln won at 42, and then Terry Steiner won at 50. But in 94, Gable tried to do the same thing with Daryl Weber. I believe that was the year, and it didn't work out as well. So you have been battling some Iowa guys. Now, going into 95, were you solely focused on Lincoln all year, or were you focused on the national title irrespective of who it was going to be? You know, I was just focused on... on the, the title, you know, I, I had, I had a very good fortune my junior year to take a sports psychology class. Mm. Um, and I, I ended up connecting with the, the professor, um, um, named Darren treasure. Um, ironically, I, I just, just recently saw that he was, um, the sports psychologist, um, for the Nike project for Alberto Salazar. That's been in the news. Um, I don't know if you follow that at all. Uh-uh. Um, Alberto Salazar, who's who is accused of um, you know being uh, pretty rough with a lot of women with their okay. their weights and running and stuff. Anyway, I I don't know much of the story. I don't think he had much to do with it. But I, I he he that is connection. that big time of a guy that he's you know now at the uh, you know the Nike project. But he was a professor at Illinois, and you know I convinced Mark to let him work with me my senior year. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the joke was Mark nickname for me was steady Eddie because I'd win a lot of three to two matches. Like I was tough to score on, but I, I didn't open up and, um, you know, I, I didn't take chances and, and I worked a all senior year on that aspect the mental aspect of, of scoring points of opening up, of, of performing. Um, and so there was a, there was a, a ton of things that, that made a huge impact on how I approached the year. Um, you know, where I wasn't obsessed with, with one person, really, I was just obsessed with performing and, you know, he really helped me understand, like, that's the only thing I can control is 
not winning or losing. That's, that's an end result. It's the process. Mm-hmm. So I really focused on the process on a daily, weekly, monthly basis of getting better, of my nutrition, of scoring points, of opening up in matches, of trying to break matches open, um, you know, and um, so that, that, that was a whole year journey of, of really trying to get better for that end of the year to, and, you know, then to see what was going to happen. I love that you had that encounter with the sports psychologist because every time I do one of these interviews, you find something that you just can't find online, and that's something I did not know about. So let's let's stay there for a little bit. What what was like one of the biggest things that he kind of helped you realize that was holding you back, or what was one of the big obstacles you broke down to start to free yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, guys now have so many more resources, and I mean, we that was a very young field at the time. So, um, I mean, even like pre-match rituals, like we all kind of intuitively knew, like you know, that we that we had to do something before a match. You know, you're going to put your headphones on and listen to some Guns N' Roses, or you're going to, you know, but but he really broke that stuff down, and like you need to have a pre-match ritual. You need to have a process every single time that you're doing the same thing, so that you get comfortable and you're you're trying to get yourself in that flow state where you're relaxed. Um, so we did a lot of that. We did a lot of, you know, he had visualization tapes that I would, I would listen to, you know, at night and, you know, picture myself scoring points and to continue wrestling, um, you know, and that was one of the biggest things he, he taught me is, you know, is, you know, process goals versus outcome goals. And, you know, mm-hmm. I tell our guys that I coach all the time, it's like, you can't control winning or losing. And if you focus on that, it will take away from performing. That's, that's the irony of it. You know, we all want to win. That's, that's pretty, pretty obvious. Um, but you, you have to focus on you wrestling your match and, and you getting into your ties and you creating the match that you want to create. And then the winning is the end result of that and takes care of itself. And that taking that idea of like, I have to win out of my head, um, really helped me not get as nervous in matches. It really helped me enjoy the season. And it's like, hey, the season's going to go how it's going to go. Um, you know, if all I can do is control, you know, my nutrition, my lifting, my training, my getting better, um, my improving in positions. And, you know, then we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, it's funny. Like Back in those days, and I'm sure even now you hear this, there's kind of like an ego play in wrestling where people will say, yeah, that's great to have these process goals, but you still have to have outcome goals. But I, I don't I don't think that's true. And I think if you watch Penn State, they seem to wrestle with that openness. And maybe even Iowa a little bit this year, they're wrestling pretty free. But yeah. you know, was it uh what did you kinda get some did you kinda get some flack from the guys back in the day? Like what is this kind of witchcraft thing you're doing? No, I don't think a ton of them knew exactly what I was doing. Okay. Um, you know, Mark, you know, he I think he you know, again, not you got to have certain personalities. I'm I'm a pretty cerebral kind of wrestler, and he knew that about me, and he knew that this this would help me. You know, some guys, um, you know, don't need anything. You know, right. um, I I think I heard Tara Pauly talking about like some guys are too dumb to know that they shouldn't be doing this well, and they can just go out there and and do it. And and I I thought too much. Um, so Mark knew like this would probably probably help me. Um, and you know. It's, it's, it's the, the irony of performing is that, you know, when you focus on something too much, it moves away from you. you. You have to kind of, you know, to get into that flow state to really be performing, it can't be about, I'm trying to win. It's, I'm, you know, I'm trying to finish a, a single leg takedown. It's, it's, there, there is a, to get to that top level and win, um, you have to, kind of take that winning out of it and just do right um and you know and it's 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 a it's a, it's a complicated mental battle which is why it's it's so damn hard for for athletes to figure it out one well, to get out of their way consistently you know it's like yeah man. um what was your pre-match routine do you remember any little tactics or tricks you do before every match to get yourself ready you know it was it was a lot of you know, it was a lot of like, okay, you're going to start with a jog and, you know, you kind of do, um, you know, you know, jogging and rolling for five minutes and then we're going to, you know, it had a set pattern. There's no secret to it. It's just having a set pattern. Right. And, um, you know, one of the, the, 
I guess the, the cool things that ended up happening at the national tournament is that Ernest Bunyan and I, we were, you know, warm up partners together and we got, you know, we were in Carver Hawkeye. So, you know, we had to adjust to what resources they had, but we made this mini routine that we had before each round, you know, jogging for five minutes, have two cups of water. Then, then we're going to start hand fighting and that, you know, and it was like, we had it, you know, it became a joke through the three days of the tournament, like, hey, time to time to go do our thing. You know, it was, it was like this perfectly choreographed dance. And it really kind of helped us kind of laugh about it and, and just be comfortable in that situation and not think about, oh, my God, we're, you know, we're about to walk out there in the semifinals of the national tournament, you know, it really kept us, um, you know, focused on something else. And, you know, it was, it was the same routine, but we really put it into that national tournament and it, it made a huge difference to keep our nerves down. Yeah. And especially at Carver where, you know, we've been alluding to it a lot during this conversation, but you know, for those, for those of the listeners that don't know, who have been living under a rock, you know, your senior year, you wrestled McAravey at the big tens and McAravey at this time had, had probably 60, 70 match win streak on the line, whatever it was. He'd won the Nationals as a freshman and sophomore. Then you guys wrestled at the Big Tens. Tight match, he won. But I think just from reading some interviews about you, you felt pretty good about the way you had battled there and some of the lessons you had learned. Um, Going into the Nationals, you know, it's at Iowa. It's at Carver. And, you know, the, the Hawks did win that team title, you know, relatively uncontested that year. I think they won by, like, Friday night. Um but you had a little bit of a scare early on. You wrestled Tim uh, Caro or Tim Cano overtime win um, for you. Did that did that rattle you at all, or is that just part of the path? You know, it it probably should have, and it does now. Um, you know, but yeah, at the time it was it was huge. I mean, it was over overtime or double overtime. Um, you know, I was. I remember I was not drinking enough fluids because I knew after that match it was the night night match on that first night that I was going to have to go and, you know, cut, cut another seven pounds. I didn't want to make it eight pounds or nine pounds. And, and so I thought like, okay, I can, I can skate by this and, you know, it's going to save me some, some time, uh, some time sweating. And, you know, he wrestled a great match and all of a sudden it's going into overtime. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I averted a, a, a pretty big problem, which is pretty common, you know, when you, again, you got to have these things one match at a time because if you're if you're looking ahead for I can't wait for the finals, you're not going to get to the finals. And and it was, yeah, it was close. And then you beat Bono in the quarters, and the next thing you know, you're in the finals. And obviously the semis happens Friday night, so you had a whole day to think about that match. Where are you at mentally Saturday morning or Saturday midday when you're in the hotel by yourself, just kind of hanging out? <laughs> Again, I mean, I, I think that's the, you know, the sports psych stuff. I mean, yeah. I just really kept my mind off it. I, I okay. other than, other than the game plan, other than, you know, the preparing for those two weeks from the big tens to the nationals, I just really didn't think much about it. I mean, I, I read a book, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I just, just kept my mind off of thinking about wrestling and I knew like that, Hey, Ernest and I are going to warm up again. We're going to do the same process and we're going to wrestle a match. You didn't read uh, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, did you? It's one of my favorite books to kind of set the mood. I, th- I think at the time I was, I was a big um, Miyamoto Masashi uh, Book of Five Rings fan and, uh, and Art of War, Sun Tzu. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I read a lot of those, um, those kind of self-help, uh, mental samurai-type books, you know, pr- kind of getting that, getting that mindset going into battle. Yeah, you were you were in a zen place, it sounds like. And, you know, what do you remember from the match? I mean, we know you won. It was uh, an awesome win. And Illinois had two national champs that year. And I, I don't want the whole conversation to be about this, but just one last piece on this is, you know, what do you remember from the match? And, you know, what was so tough about wrestling McAravey? Well, I mean, what's so tough about him, one is he never stops. I mean, really taking that match away, like I've watched pretty much every match he's wrestled, even after that match. I mean, he's just an unbelievable competitor. The guy wins. He knows how to win. He knows how to compete. Um, you know, watching his technique is, is impressive. Um, but he, he doesn't stop. 
Um, he's relentless, you know, and, and that was a big part of, you know, the preparation going in from Big Ten to Nationals, you know, uh, Mark and Jim, I mean, they tortured me for those, you know, that week and a half, you know, having guys, you know, um, you know, just rotate in on me and just getting used to suffering in those matches and getting used to being so tired that I could still down block so tired that I could still function and just getting comfortable with being exhausted. So I knew, you know, going in the match, like I'm not going to break, um, you know, and I, I've seen him break a lot of guys. Um, I just knew like, we're going to make this a match. I'm not going to break. I don't know if I'm going to win, but, um, but like I'm, I'm going to, make make him work for it so you weren't afraid of getting tired in that match you were ready for it no no i mean i was i was ready for it um you know and it, it helped to to wrestle in the big tens you know i got hit for stalling twice and lost six to four um you know oh. so that was i i had a i had a good feel about that and um you know was in on some shots and i i knew i could keep it competitive and that gave me the confidence that again like What's going to happen? I don't know, but you were just I'm going to keep this close, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to make I'm going to just try to make something happen, and and you know we'll we'll see you know when the match ends <laughs> what the score is. Man, so in the third period it was nine to seven. Uh, you started the third period eight to five. He got a takedown, let you up nine seven, and then you're just scrapping at this point. And then I'm actually watching it right now just to kind of relive it a little bit. Was there any uh, any self-doubt creep in during that, or were you just calm and zen the whole time? I, I, I wish I, I wish I were. Um, no, I mean, I was exhausted. Um, but again, like, I, I you know, you, you watch guys on film and you know what the script is, you know, and, and you know, I, I saw – Lincoln wrestle Abbas, you know, his freshman year and, you know, he gets guys tired and, and, you know, then guys start making mistakes. And I just kept saying like, okay, just win this position. Okay. Just win this position. Okay. Just win this position, you know, and sometimes winning that position was just not getting scored on, you know, and trying to control the ties and trying not to let that momentum start um, shifting the other way. So that's really, I was just taking it in little, little chunks and just, trying to keep keep that momentum on my side and um you know not letting things get out of hand man what an awesome match and a lot of people say one of the best matches of all time in the finals and you know what a great great tournament for illinois i mean if you look at it from mark johnson's perspective and coach heffernan you know they were iowa guys to have two national champs at carver after only being there for a few years and you know, also the fact that Oregon State got second, which is a program Mark Johnson had really turned around as well. So just just an awesome uh, sense of momentum, and it had to be just really exciting to be around the program at that time. Yeah, I mean that was obviously you know five years of of two a day practices, and you know it all comes down to seven minutes is is a pretty insane thing. And then to have Ernest, you know, who was my my drilling partner the entire tournament, and you know we were just going through each round together to to be done and then to watch him you know seven minutes later get his hand raised um was really um you know it was it was a cool start to the the illinois program um you know getting on the scene and and then growing from there would you say it was more of a relief or because you had had the sports psychology you know training and practice you were were enjoying it more because a lot of people say like the day after the nationals it's one of the saddest loneliest days of their life which is even if they won it's kind of hard to believe that but did you experience any of that or were you ready for it no i mean i think a day you know it's the the that journey is so fun you know those those daily grinds with your teammates you know the road trips i mean all that stuff is 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 so fun and it's i mean it's crazy when it leads up to that you know that one moment that you have to have to really perform and uh perform better than you've ever performed and um you know there's there is always that you know that letdown um you know when it's when it's all over and it's like okay back to real life but you know that that's when i started thinking like you know do i want to end my wrestling career on on this high or do i want to take it into the freestyle scene and, and, and see what I could do. So like, you know, shortly after that, it was kind of like, am I done wrestling or, or am I going to keep going with this? Right. And then you went on to make the world team in 98 wrestled at the house of wrestling in Iran. What do you remember from that experience? Was there any, 
goofy officiating for your matches. And the reason I ask is I had, uh, I think it was Kerry McCoy on who was talking about it and said he was, ab- you know, absolutely, he didn't say this, but I'm going to say it. he was absolutely robbed blind in one of the, I think it was the semi-round. The match had ended. He is back at his hotel. Then they reversed it. So anything like that uh, yeah. happened to you over there? Yeah, I mean, Yes, I mean, I you know, I was I was on the team with with Kerry Cola, and I was his roommate for a, for a bunch of things. You know, I was a training partner at um, the Worlds in um, I think it was in '97. So, like, I mean, I was there watching him getting robbed. What happened you know, and, to those and, stories of Cola? He just got uh, he, matches reversed after the fact. Yeah, there was a couple different situations you know the rules changed as it as it went and he he wrestled such an open style that like you know it unfortunately like allowed the you know those referees to say oh you know we're going to go back in our room and and watch the tape and they they come back and there were times where you know they'd make you re-wrestle it um i think he wrestled to um like that and um you know there's times where they just overturn it and just say no you lost um you know and i i know mccoy had that happen i um I cut my head really badly um, in one of the matches at the Worlds, and um, they, they were having a really tough time stopping the bleeding, and they disqualified me for blood time. And, um, you know, it's one of those things, like, they never disqualify people, but they're just like, nope, you're done. Match is over. You know, and it was like a 1-0 match at the time. I was losing 1-0, you know, and, and in it. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the kind of things. <laughs> They did. It was it was rough, um, you know. And I I got to wrestle the Iranian in Tehran, um, you know. So he took me down, and the entire place went absolutely nuts. I had to look up to see what they were cheering louder than about, Carver. They were, they're, <laughs> it was very similar to Carver. <laughs> very unfriendly environment. Man, I don't. It's so heartbreaking to learn how uh, how corrupt. Fila, I even think UWW now, but how corrupt it used to be. It's just, it's gut-wrenching to hear about those stories about Colat. I, I can't even bring myself to watch the Colat flow documentary a second time because it's so, so much of a bummer for someone to put everything into it. And I just don't get how how it got to be that way. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it's it's, it's a different world over there. I, you know, I, I'm not overseas, <laughs> Now, so I, I don't know, but I mean, we just assumed any call was was not going to go our way. And you know, when you're you're in these matches where you're, you know, devoting your life to, you know, trying to be a world champion, trying to be an Olympic champion. I mean, they're taking that that stuff away. So yeah, seeing being there and seeing that with some of my teammates at the time was, um, I mean, just just, just so talking. painful. But it was yeah. it was it was normal. Happened yeah, all the time. I know, and then you you look at it now. You know, just watching the 2019 Worlds. There's a couple matches where you look at it, and you you can't understand how they come to the score. Uh, James Green and the Dayton Fix come to mind, but you know, I digress. Yeah, you know, wrestling uh, has its has its problems, like any sport does. You know, we don't have the concussion sure. problem, but we have the weight cutting and the international officiating problem. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, after your after your career winded down. You, you know, you coached at Illinois for seven years and then you got to start your own, not start, but run your own program at Elmhurst. What was the state of affairs when you got to Elmhurst in the early 2000s? Uh, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty rough. You know, I didn't know a ton about, um, division three at the time. Um, you know, I, I was really, um, my wife and I had moved back from Champaign into Chicago and really I didn't have a job for a, a couple months. I was, um, was that oh two oh three it was like one of the one of the crashes I was a yeah. marketing advertising major. There were n- no jobs. I was trying to decide like what I wanted to do um you know, and my wife actually did a Google search and found um found that there was a wrestling job opening um and so looked into it and you know we had i don't know twelve guys on the team. Um, you know, the, the school had never won a conference tournament in, in history. So it was, it was a, it was a rough start. Um, but you know, it's been a blast coaching, um, at the division three level. So I've, I've had a, I've had a good, good fun run of it. Yeah, I know it's, I love division three wrestling. I have some, one of my good friends, Clayton Rush wrestled at Co and then coached at Co and then Ethan Ball and my brother Tanner wrestled at Co. And I, I just love that program, but 
you know, I didn't really know a lot about Elmhurst Wrestling until I went to the Nationals, D3 Nationals at Cedar Rapids, and I can't remember if it was Cedar Rapids or if it was Lacrosse when you guys had that team that got second. Um, do you remember where that yeah, was? Yeah, I believe at? it was Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids. I yeah. believe it was Cedar Rapids, yeah. So you kind of like you know, what happened to Illinois when you were an athlete. You did the same thing to Elmhurst. You completely turned it around. You've been the coach of the year a couple times. And in 2013, you guys got second, which if anyone knows anything about Warburg's dominance, um, you, a lot of times they were so good that second almost was like, the thing that everyone was competing for um, as much as we don't like to admit it. Um, but, uh, you know, so you guys got second with some really great guys, Ryan Prater. Uh, he might've been there the year after, but Benefield. You know, he was Joe the year Rau. after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Joe Rao, who, who was on the Greco world team um, this last year, he was a national champ for us. And uh, Mikey Benefield, who was a four time state champ in Illinois and, um, you know, wrestled that he was at Northwestern for a while in Oki state. And, um, you know, his brother actually wrestled, <laughs> He, he he was uh yeah he was he was pretty damn good um when the when the the the, the lights came on um it was really fun to to watch mikey and really it was i think i think it was a, a tough transition season for him um you know most of the year um you know he we weren't sure about weight classes he wanted to cut down to um you know 174 um and it was I thought way too big of a cut. Um, and we had Rao at 84 and, um, and then Mikey didn't make weight at the Midlands tournament. And then I told him you're going 197. And, um, you know, he, he wasn't weighing anything more than 195 the whole year. And I think it was the first time in his life probably that he didn't cut weight. And it was, I thought it was going to be a good thing, and I think fortunately it was. I mean, he had a smile on his face going into competitions, and when he finally got to the national tournament, it was it was like he was home. I mean, he's so used to being on the big stage, and he just just you know had had some tough matches towards the end of the year, um, but really just put it together at the end of the year and and ran through that tournament. I I love hearing stories about that, guys. Where and I did want to ask you about this. Um, kind of where Illinois guys are so good in middle school and high school and especially at Fargo and the past 10 years you just don't see the all-american production at the D1 level what do you think that is coach or is it overblown you go, going from Fargo to well you look at like high school you know I, I think every, a lot of people agree that Illinois could be as high as the third best state for high school wrestling PA number okay. one Ohio's number two but yeah. a lot of times we're not seeing that translate to division one all-americans in Illinois specifically why do you think that is yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, I I will say one thing is that you know what what we have noticed is the 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 level of coaching at the high school level has just exploded. I mean, you look at the guys that are are running programs now, and you know, you look at some of the you know clubs in the area. You know, Izzy's Club, and you know, over time it had a presence for so long. I mean, you just have a lot more knowledge, so they're they're really developing guys well. And I think Illinois. Our, um, you know, our Illinois chapter of USA Wrestling does a great job of organizing and and getting guys involved in freestyle. So we have great participation. We have a great development model. Um, so guys are, you know, really get get to Fargo knowing how to wrestle freestyle. You know, knowing their gut wrenches, knowing their leg laces, and and performing extremely well. Um, yeah, I you know, past that going into college, I don't know. It's it's um, you know it's it's a it's a grind out there. We've got some guys doing well, um, you know, maybe not as as many as we should, but I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's and no one knows the answer. I was just curious your thought on it because and not to say that Illinois guys aren't doing well at the Division One level, um, but if you look at the proportion of like high school Fargo All Americans to that, it doesn't seem to always pan out. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, we'll turn that around. And I know there's a lot of Illinois guys out there now. Uh, wrestling really hard um i last thing i have to ask you about coach because he's a, a friend of mine and we've been work, working together lately dalton bollard um we've been partnering on some things and he actually did the website for wrestlingchangemylife.com what do you remember from uh, having dalton on your team and what did he add to the environment there at elmhurst Dalton was a was a, a a fun guy to coach and i you know also frustrating i mean we i you know i i he had, he's so darn good and such 
a good guy to have in the room as far as how he trained and how he drilled. I mean, he was one of the best guys drilling in the room. Um, he was one of those guys, like, he hardly had to go live because he drilled so hard and so well that, like, he was ready to ready to compete. And, you know, and the, the biggest challenge, like, with any guys is unlocking that potential and really getting them to, to compete. And I, I think it was it was junior year where, you know, finally – he lost the first round at the national tournament, and you know we had a we had a, a real good honest talk about you know his performing, and and he finally after that you know as an unseated guy, but you know what we expected out of him, he ended up rattling off I don't know if it was five straight matches, took third in the country as a as an unseated guy at the national tournament, and really showed what his potential was so um you know he made a, a huge huge impact on that team on the you know when we took second and and you know the following year as well so he was a he was a fun guy to coach because he loves the sport you know and to have guys that are coming in to practice and being as good as he is and still being like hey well what about this what about that what what what, what do you think about this position you know right guys that are curious just make coaching fun yeah he's really you said you were a kind of a heady wrestler. He, he's the same way. He thinks about things in a real unique lens. Um, a, lot, a lot of times, I some of his takes on wrestling are, are the first time I'm hearing it, so it's good to have that kind of a refreshing take around. Um, now, Coach, I know we've kept you a long time here, and we've chatted about a lot. The last thing I have to, to sign off with, as always, is how did wrestling change your life? Or another question for you might even be, like, how much different of a person were you from uh, September of your freshman year in high school to like the end of your career at Illinois. And that's, that's obviously the times you got involved with wrestling. So if you just kind of think about that, how is, how has that impacted you and you know, how did it change your life? <laughs> well, obviously it, 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 um, it, it took my uh, life trajectory and I'm, I'm, I'm still in it. Um, you know, as, as a sport, I just always gravitated it to it i just i love that grind i loved trying to get better i mean look guys need something to excel at they need something to try to master um you know whatever that may be you know and you know wrestling specifically to to be you know in that in that mix in that in that fire and you know survive that it it teaches you how to how to endure anything um you know and to to be good at something teaches you how to be good at anything. So, you know, when, you know, when, you know, Mark and Jim really work with me, like, how do you become an All-American? Like, you, you translate that to anything. Being good at something is to, is to be good at anything. And you can translate that into being a coach. You can translate that into business. Um, you know, so, I mean, it really t- taught the foundation on how to be great. Um, you know, and, and wrestling specifically, uh, you know, I, I think we, we didn't, we didn't appreciate <laughs> what we were going through. And, it, you know, when I listen to some podcasts like Joe Rogan and, you know, he's talking about, you know, these, these former wrestlers that, that are in the UFC, um, you know, you, you start to really listen to that and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, what we went through was pretty amazing, um, was pretty intense. And um, I think you, you don't fully process how it's forming you until, you know, way later. And when you realize like, oh no, I just, you know, I have these expectations myself. I, you just, you know, you're on time for things. You get things done. You don't make excuses. Um, you know, it really teaches you like you either get it done or you don't get it done. Um, and nobody else cares that you were tired, that you were sore, that you didn't feel like doing things. I mean, wrestling really puts, puts that honesty on how the universe works out there and, and gets you to, um, you know, be able to see the world how it is. And it's like you either get things done or you don't get things done. No excuses. Yep. No, and I, I love, it's funny you say that about Joe Rogan. I avid listener of the Joe Rogan experience for like eight years. And it's just so, uh, so cool that one of the most popular podcasts in the world loves wrestling as much as Joe does, even though he wrestled for one year. Yeah, I think he's, you know, I think, um, you know, the UFC has done a, a huge service to, you know, what our wrestling development program can do. And mm-hmm. I think he he um, is a great ambassador for, for wrestling. And, and again, you just realize like, wow, yeah, you know, 
all these guys have done that, and this is this is what's formed them, and you know this is what's created some guys that you know not only going to the UFC, but just the the level of success that guys have because they've they've trained in the sport. Yeah, it's 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 something uh, unless you've done it, it's hard to hard to understand. But you know, the folks listening to this podcast, ninety nine percent wrestled, and and they they certainly get it. And you know, we appreciate your time today, Coach. So thank you very much for coming on, and have a great day. It was a huge pleasure, Ryan. Thanks so much. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.